Welcome to Let's Connect. My name is Keith McPherson, and I'm so glad you've decided to join me for this next episode. Today on the podcast, I'm joined by a very special guest named Lori DePerrier. I met Lori uh, about a year ago at Rancho La Porta in Tecate, Mexico, and she is here today to speak about an absolutely incredible story that happened between her and her dog, and she'll be speaking about the new book that she's written called The Endless Path. You don't want to miss this episode, so sit back, relax, and let's connect. Hey everybody, welcome to this week's podcast. This is a very special episode for a number of reasons today. Um, as I said in the intro, Lori DePerrier is here. She's going to be speaking with us about her book, The Endless Path. Um, she's got a very unique story, and I just want to preface up front, as you listen to this conversation, you need to come into it with as open a mind as you can, because Lori um, shares a story about how she's had a chance to connect telepathically with uh, her dog, Gunny. So it's um, it might sound a little funny that she's speaking with uh, Gunny, but the truth is, uh, it's quite a powerful revelation about how we can connect on a soul level to um, to each other and also to people that have also left the world and are now in the non-physical form. Um, with that being said, this past week for me, um, it's been quite moving here in, in Winnipeg where I live. We, we lost uh, Jerry Atwell, who was a, a friend and an incredible musician in the community of Winnipeg where I live. Um, he's crossed over to the other side, as they say. He was uh, an amazing keyboard player and arts advocate in the city and is going to be deeply missed in the, the physical form, at least. Um, I've really had a sense of Jerry, though, over the last few days, just reading all the different Facebook comments that have come in about him and his music and the effect that he's had in the world, at least here in Winnipeg and I think beyond as well. So um, in a lot of ways today, this podcast is going to be speaking about... Um, how we deal with grieving, uh, the whole concept of death and what happens after you die, and uh, also the love of animals. So it's going to be quite a diverse uh, day here on the podcast. I wanted to, um, before we get into the conversation with Lori, uh, read a poem that actually Lori recommended after we had the interview. She said, if you get a chance, read this poem before we, um, we do the call. And so I did. And this is a poem called Death is Nothing at All. And it was uh, written about a hundred years ago by uh, Henry Scott Holland. So I'm going to read this to you before we get into the conversation with Lori, just to get you in the mindset. So death is nothing at all. Death is nothing at all. It does not count. I have only slipped away into the next room. Nothing has happened. Everything remains exactly as it was. I am I and you are you. And the old life that we lived so fondly together is untouched, unchanged. Whatever we were to each other, that we are still. Call me by the old familiar name. Speak of me in the easy way which you always used. Put no difference into your tone. Wear no forced air of solemnity or sorrow. Laugh as we always laughed at the little jokes that we enjoyed together. Play, smile, think of me, pray for me. Let my name be ever the household word that it always was. Let it be spoken without an effort, 
without the ghost of a shadow upon it. Life means all that it ever meant. It is the same as it ever was. There is absolute and unbroken continuity. What is death but a neglectable accident? Why should I be out of mind because I am out of sight? I am but waiting for you, for an interval, somewhere very near, just round the corner. All is well. Nothing is hurt. Nothing is lost. One brief moment, and all will be as it was before. How we shall laugh at the trouble of parting when we meet again. (laughs) Death is nothing at all. It's quite profound, isn't it? And today we're going to be exploring this, uh, the soul connection that we all share with each other uh, beyond the physical form. And um, this to me is at the heart in a lot of ways of a mindfulness practice to expand our awareness and to become aware that there is so much more to life than just the one dimension that so many of us live in, that conscious, busy mind that's always thinking. There's this heart connection, this spirit connection, this body connection. And um, in conversation with Lori today, we're going to be diving deeply into that. And if you happen to be sort of a um, skeptic on this subject, I encourage you to listen anyway, because for Lori, it was not always this case. She uh, was a lawyer for a number of years and uh, was very analytical, as you're going to hear her speak about. And this whole encounter with her dog and um, what you're about to hear, I mean, it just completely changed her and opened her up to new awareness. Uh, Wayne Dyer, one of my teachers, used to say, have a mind that's open to everything and attached to nothing. I think when we open our mind up beyond uh, what we're believing currently, we become aware that there's just so much more and it's ever expanding. So with all that being said, we're going to jump into this uh, talk with Lori. One reminder, if it is of interest to you um, in the new year, right now we're in 2019, but we're about to come into the new year. January 13th, 2020, I'm going to be launching a new uh, online mastermind program, and I want to invite you to join me and the community. We're going to be meeting weekly for seven weeks and exploring how to move into more awareness through um, mindfulness tools and practices that I've come to know. So if that's of interest to you, please go visit my website for more information, keithmacpherson.ca. And without further ado, let's enter into this beautiful conversation with Laurie DePerrier here on Let's Connect. All right. Well, joining me is Lori here uh, online. And Lori, I am so excited about our, our conversation. I've been waiting and waiting for us to connect for over a year now, I believe. So thanks for being here. Oh, thank you so much, Keith. I'm just really excited to be able to talk to you. Yeah. Your story just totally has intrigued me because um, when we met back at Rancho La Porta, I think it must have been at least a year ago now, and you came up to me and shared all about this this book you've written. I just it's it's absolutely so authentic and vulnerable and and edgy. It feels like because I mean, not a lot of people write a book and co-author it with their their dog. <laughs> so it's just really cool. I um I'd love for you to just take me back. Like I I believe that you've been an animal lover most of your life. Is that correct? It is. I, uh, I always joke that when I was about seven years old, the first time that my parents let me out of my yard unsupervised, I came home with a puppy. 
And the neighbor's dog uh, had had a litter of puppies. And I came home and said, you know, can I keep her? And they said, no. And I said, just one night. And then, of course, Bandit lived with me until she died at about 12 years old. Aww. So, um, but, but interestingly, as much as I have always felt connected with animals, I wasn't really raised that way. So it's something that I feel like uh, what I'm going to call it really is a soul characteristic. I don't think it's even a characteristic only now uh, in my life. Now, I feel like I have an, a, a respect and appreciation and love for animals that even I don't truly understand. That goes very, very deep. Oh, wow. Well, I can feel that just in, in the writing of your book and, and who you are and how you speak. I, um, I'd love to hear like the moment because your background, I believe, was in law and you were kind of in the um, what I might call the muggle world of just, you know, one level reality. And something seemed to shift for you at some point. What, what happened exactly? You're absolutely right. Something shifted. Uh, I can't tell you that it was a particular moment, but it was certainly a series of moments at a particular period of time. So I had worked really, really hard as a lawyer. Um, I ended up working for a corporation and living around the world and working around the world. And I was really into my job. And frankly, I liked it a lot. And I found it very challenging. Uh, but at the same time, I had this amazing dog um, who his full name is Ganymedes, but we call him Gunny for short, that my husband had given me as my wedding present when we got married. Wow. And I always felt connected to Gunny, but frankly, I wasn't paying enough attention to him on a deeper level. I, I, you know, I took him for walks and I played with him and those sorts of things, but I wasn't really listening to him. And there came a point in time when we were living in Switzerland where he was very, very ill. And I think, at least according to him, and, and I think the doctors would agree, there was no explanation for how he was still alive. And he probably sort of crossed over and came back and made a conscious decision to come back. But in those moments when I thought that I was going to lose him is when I understood that I had no idea how I could live without him, without that connection to him mm. and how powerful the connection was. And it really just sort of hit me like a ton of bricks. I just had, I, I was unconscious, I guess is the word I would use about how deep our connection was. And that really opened me up. Uh, in terms of seeing him more for who he really was. And we had an understanding that transcended words and even physical presence. Um, so, it, you know, it happened when he was about seven and a half years old. He lived to be almost 15. So I'm really happy that I got to at least spend half of his life here understanding more who he was and benefiting from all the wisdom that he carried. Right. So I'm, if I'm understanding this right, it was like a near-death experience for him that happened. Yeah. And then he had another at least seven years on the planet where you were able to deepen into this relationship with him. Yeah? Yes. Okay. And, and in fact, one of the things that was really interesting was, um, as we'll talk about, I, I worked with an animal communicator. I, at that point in time, didn't hear Gunny as clearly as I may hear him now. And the things that he reported were frankly pretty similar to what people report 
when they have near-death experiences. Okay, uh, so animal, <laughs> hang on a second, animal communicator. So what, what's that? Who's that? <laughs> Amazing. Uh, so there's a lot of them out there. Um, uh -huh. I think like any profession, there's some really good ones and there's some not really good ones. Uh -huh. So uh, you have to sort of uh, look carefully and uh, when, when trying to choose one of these people. Um, so some of what I've found, um, because I've met several of them now, is that some people who seem to be able to communicate with animals are more traditional psychics or clairvoyants who just are able to communicate in another realm. With It's like a knowing and an understanding. It's not like you've got to teach the dog English because you speak English, right? Right. Like just a, a connection and a communication. And then there's some people, um, and I actually took one of these classes where almost anybody can learn some basic techniques for trying to listen on a different frequency. So I would say I'm probably in that category of people who can listen on a different frequency and understand and hear in that knowing kind of way, as opposed to like hearing a voice in your head. But there are people who can go far beyond that. And so there's lots of people out there who build themselves as animal communicators. And like I said, some are really excellent. And they, you know, they'll tell you things about what happened in your house the night before, for example, that your dog reports to them that there's just no way they could have known. So there's some some aspect of it usually that allows you to know whether someone is truly communicating with your dog. Wow. Your and so the animal communicator that you're working with, like, are, were they physically in the presence of Gunny or was this something happening kind of telepathically distance, like at a distance? Yeah. So I, I would be aware of any animal communicator that says they have to be in the same room. Okay. Uh, yeah. By definition, it is telepathy. So it doesn't matter where you are. Wow. So in my case, uh, the, the woman who interviewed Gunny for me, because that's really the only way to put it. I had a list of questions like Barbara Walters wow. that I wanted to know the answers to. And over a six month period of time, she interviewed him on a variety of subjects that I had chosen. And then he decided for himself what he wanted to talk about. Was this, was this while he was alive or was this after yeah. he passed? Okay. Yes. So wow. It was in the last year of his life. And uh, all I can tell you is I knew that he had a story to tell. Um, and I felt like I needed to capture it mm. and release it to the world for the world to do with it whatever they wanted to do with it. But it needed to be out in the universe because he had a very profound intellect and a really incredible soul. How did you know he, he had this story to share? Like, what was the indication yeah. of that for you? Um, I wished I could tell you, Keith. It, it was a knowing. It was the, the depth in his eyes. It was the way you would catch him literally thinking, <laughs> like wow. being off somewhere, you know, kind of staring at nothing and he'd have to get his attention. And it was the way he interacted with me, the way we understood each other. I didn't know what the story was, right? I just felt like he has a lot to say and it's important that the world hear it. And so what I promised him before he died is that I would be sure his story was told. How much? And I can't control what happens, but wow. I would at least tell the story. I'm just like, as I'm hearing this, I'm thinking about how um, unique this is for somebody that's like working as a lawyer to, to move into this, this place of just 
awareness that your dog has this this message to share with the world. I mean, what was that like for you? Like, was there a, any kind of inner battle for you between like being in the world, but not of the world, so to speak? Like, what, what was that like for you? Yeah. Um, I found it very distressing, frankly, uh, a lot of the time because I have a very analytical mind and mm-hmm. I am looking for proof and evidence of things. That was my nature. And I couldn't explain this. And I think it was for a long time, a real battle between my head and my heart. I I think your heart, you know, things that resonate on almost, well, literally on an energetic level, but that you feel so strongly are, are just never wrong. And you can overthink or outthink yourself into believing something isn't true that actually is. So I certainly didn't talk to a lot of people about it at the time mm-hmm. because I didn't want to be considered crazy. And I felt this was a little crazy. Um, and then I reached a point where the way I put it is I decided to go public with my crazy. Uh-huh. <laughs> and wow. it just wasn't about me anymore. It was that this was an important story that needed to be told. And I was the only way he was going to get to tell it. Wow. So that just had to be the way it was. Now, having said that, the way that I don't want to, I don't want to spoil the story for anybody who's going (laughs) to read it, but I will just say there came a point in time where I had irrefutable proof that the things that I believed had happened actually had. And it was hard for me. I thought I had accepted it. And then when I realized I had no no way to explain it away, I had been given tangible proof that it was all real it was tough for my analytical mind and then i just gave into it and have followed the lead of my heart ever since and haven't looked back wow what was the proof at the time that kind of made this real for your analytical mind to to believe okay um (laughs) (laughs) i'm just like so intrigued by that Yeah. So uh, what happened was a friend of mine told me that there was this medium uh, who was going to be in town who she had seen, and she really thought that I had to go talk to him. And so she signed up for two people. And all I can tell you is like, he didn't know my name. And when I walked in, he knew my first name and he knew nothing. Wow. And um, he called Gunny by name. uh, And one of the messages that Gunny gave him was an almost verbatim quote from the book Mm. of something that he had said. This was before the book was published. It was just in my computer. There was no place to read it. Wow. Um, And it was like, okay, you know, that's pretty hard to explain away how somebody calls my, calls him by name, knows who he's speaking to. And Gunny's message was, you need, like, this is all real. It happened. And then gave me a quote from the book so that I would know that it was real. Wow. And I didn't doubt anymore. Um, and I surrendered at that point. <laughs> wow. What amazing, like, this is just so amazing to me that this happened to you. And so then, um, I mean, I don't want to give the book away either because I definitely want to encourage people to read it, but just in essence, like what were some of the messages that you were getting from, from Gunny as you started diving into this? Well, so it turns out he thought most of my questions were stupid uh, and simple. So (laughs) I thought, um, which was like, okay. And then when he started talking about the things he wanted to talk about, I understood why he thought they were stupid. 
not all my questions were stupid, but you know, like I, I would have questions like, what was the best day of your life? Okay. What was the worst day of your life? Um, as a dog. Is, is, say it again. Was this like questions about him being a dog? Like best day of, as your, of yeah. your life as a dog? Yeah. Like, okay. Yeah. 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 In this life. So I had a list of many questions and then I, and there were things I wanted him to talk about. Like, how did you like living in Hong Kong, China? And, uh, you know, who's your best friend? Like, do you, and I, one of my funny questions, which he actually took quite seriously and I was serious about is what do you think makes a good vet? <laughs> I love it. Okay. <laughs> and he just totally so, said, these are terrible questions. Let's get to the heart of the matter. Well, <laughs> you know, it, it's funny. He almost, it was almost as though he'd been to um, like a communications training because he would address my question and then he'd, he'd like go off and talk about what he wanted to talk about. He never said your questions are stupid, but yeah. You could tell from the way he answered them. <laughs> yeah. He didn't want to give a lot of them a lot of time, I guess is the way I'd put it. Wow. So um, so I would say there were, but we were talking about being a lawyer, for example. And as I'm sure we'll get to, there came a point in time when I stopped being a lawyer and really devoted myself more to helping animals. And the way I did that was opening a hydrotherapy pool for dogs. So when I asked... Well, when Alexandra, who was the communicator, asked Gunny about what he thought about that, um, he said, and I'll just give you the quote, I think Laurie needed to slow down and do something different, more meaningful to her. In her lawyer days, she was gone so much of the time and really didn't have much of a life of her own. I missed her so much when she was gone. Sometimes, like a child, I wondered if I was forgotten, still loved. Oh, wow. So I always say, I think Gunny didn't thought, I think my highest, best use, shall we say, um, was to continue being a lawyer. And he didn't think that it was doing a lot for me anymore and that I wasn't doing what I needed to do for the world. So wow. he wanted me to quit. So I did. <laughs> Very obedient, much more than he was. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. Wow. Just such a wise soul. So I, what I'm curious about, too, is like as we're talking, I get the sense that Gunny like you talked about other lives and like this life as a dog, like what's, what's your belief after this experience? Do we have past lives, future lives, reincarnation, that whole question? Like what's your take on that? Um, I absolutely believe that we do. And before I met Gunny, I think I would have told you, I didn't know. I was open to the possibility, mm -hmm. but I hadn't seen the evidence or the proof, shall we say. And um, one of the things that Gunny talked about a lot, and frankly, I hear from other animal communicators that animals talk about it a lot. Generally, many animals they speak to tell you who they were in another life. And I can't tell you how this works. I can tell you that in, and I think in a lot of them will say I was a deer. Um, I literally had one who had said her last life was boring because she'd been a dairy cow. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't, I pass no judgment on that. I wasn't the one talking to her, but, um, in Gunny's case, uh, he had been a man in other lives and he talked about what those lifetimes were and what he did. And the only real indication that we ever had of a time frame for any of those lives was he actually used the word shillings uh, in one of the lives that he talked about, that he only had a few shillings. Oh, so, interesting. Um, that 
you know, allowed me to place it literally probably within like, I, I looked it up at the time. I don't remember precisely, but let's say a 7,500 year period of time <laughs> um, in England. So I don't know, but, but here's what ultimately made sense to me and what I think my heart knew, even though my mind did not, he told me how we had known each other in another life. Really? Um, yeah, more, more than one, but the most significant one, we were brother and sister. And he said that um, we got separated and he explained the circumstances of that. And that as we were separating, we made a soul pact to find each other again across the mist of time. Oh my goodness. Here, yeah. Like, whew, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I can hardly actually say that without crying because the notion that it actually worked, that we found each other uh, and that it was in this form with him being my dog of all things, um, but separate and apart from the thing that drew us back together he frankly said, I, Gunny was, um, he was a real enigma. He, he, although his breed was Labrador retriever, he bared no resemblance other than physically to any Labrador retriever I ever met. He was never interested in pleasing me or anyone else. And he didn't like to swim and he thought retrieving was stupid. And he was very willful and, um, he, knew what he wanted to do. And if that happened to coincide with what you wanted him to do, that would be just grand, but he didn't intend to change his plans because it's not what you wanted to do. So he was tough. I mean, it's not like this was the dog that laid on my lap and made goo goo eyes at me. He was tough. <laughs> right. It was a tough relationship sometimes. Um, but he, um, he managed to get himself in a situation where we could be together again and one of the things that he said was he, he was unhappy about being sent back as a dog. I'll tell you that. And he made that clear every day of his life because he felt like he didn't have control. But he said he knew that he got sent back because he needed to learn humility. Wow. And so he became very clear on why he was inhabiting a dog's body. And because he had such a great sense of humor, he said, and I have to admit, I didn't make the most of the opportunity. <laughs> oh my <laughs> <Because> gosh. <laughs> he was not humble in any way. <laughs> Had a little bit of an attitude to him, it sounds like. Yeah, it's very, absolutely. Very interesting. <laughs> so I'm curious then, like knowing that this in a past life was your brother coming through in the form of your dog um, in this lifetime, I mean, did you always have to go through the animal communicator to get messages back and forth between the two of you? Or as you became more aware of this, did were you able to directly communicate to your brother in this way? Like, how did that work? So I will tell you, I think really the vast majority of animals understand on an energetic, almost telepathic level, what we're saying to them. The problem is we don't hear them. I don't think it's ever their fault, you know, their failing, it's usually ours in terms of being able to communicate. So I always felt that Gunny understood me perfectly for a very long time, even before I knew that he knew what I was asking him to do. He knew what I was saying. He just was making his own decisions about what he wanted to do. Um, and after I understood all of this, um, which I have to say was, you know, maybe the state's the obvious, it was life altering. Yeah, this changed the entire course of my life. 
and how I spend my time and how I perceive the world. So over time, uh, I felt that I wouldn't say I heard him in what you might call complete sentences, right? The way mm -hmm. Alexander the communicator did. Mm -hmm. But I felt that I did get messages and that I understood him. And since he's been gone, um, he died about seven years ago. I, I would say I hear him better now. <laughs> oh. And I always felt that I often heard him better when I was outside his physical presence. I think it's, it's almost like, do you ever uh, find if you're lost, you turn the radio off <laughs> when you're trying to concentrate on something, sure. you kind of minimize the noise. So, or if I go to a concert, I sometimes close my eyes so I can hear the music better. So I sometimes found if I wasn't in his physical presence, being distracted by the, the look on his face or what he was doing, if I was literally in another city, I might get a message from him. So wow. I feel like I'm very in touch with him. And before he died, I was more in touch with him, but I would never claim that I understood him with the clarity uh, that the communicator did. Is that ever amazing? You know, as you're saying that, I've I just think about how <laughs> just recently I was... Um, struck with this insight of, I mean, what if this is all the dream in the sense that we're sleeping and we're so distracted by this physical form that we're in of our bodies and our dogs and our houses? It's like, but there's, what if like waking up was to realize that there's something beyond this physical realm? And as I'm hearing you speak about it, I really am getting that sense. Like there's something beyond this physical form that has to be uh, there when we when we start talking in the realm of communicating with past lives and whatnot. What 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 is your perspective on that? Well, I guess I, I come back to the word knowing that if you really take away what you have unlearned um, from society telling you what's possible and not possible, or different you know religious doctrines. I think we've all had the experiences of whether it's deja vu or somebody calls you when you're thinking about them, these tiny little examples in life yeah. that tell us that we are connected. There are countless videos and stories you can read about dogs, for example, who go to the door 10 minutes before somebody comes home because they know they're on their way home. Right. And I, I think we have so much noise now and it's only worse with the internet and social media and 24 hour a day news that i often feel that if you can find the quiet spot you feel more connected uh and less distracted and if, if you don't mind i i'd like to just read you another thing that that gun said that actually opens the book because it's right up this alley. So yeah, no, please. I was just about to say, uh, ask about more messages from him. So I'm connecting. <laughs> I'm feeling that intuition too. Yeah. I'd love to hear that. Uh, okay. So I, I chose this quote from him to open the book. He says, I hope this book will inspire people. I like to think that this could be a start of the human race, understanding the animal kingdom. I hope people will read this to their dogs and cats and horses. So they know they have a voice. They can actually be heard. They can communicate their thoughts and feelings. We are all of us alive and are all connected to the same consciousness. Life is life. Souls are souls. Whoa. Wow. Absolutely. 
Yes, that's that's exactly what I was kind of picking up as you've been speaking. Is just that there is no separation. It's there's a oneness here. It's very profound. Yeah, um, we're not connected to each other as people. We're connected to the trees and the plants and the planet and the animals and. It, I just think you actually have to work harder to ignore the connection than to feel it. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? <laughs> wow. Yeah. Well, how do you like, how do you connect? I mean, I'm sure there's people listening here that might be very skeptical of, of what we're talking about and what's happened to you in, in the story. I mean, how do you even begin to connect to this place of, of oneness and the interconnection of soul and all of this? Like, how, how do you do that? Well, the the only being I do it really well with is probably Gunny. Sure. Um, but I, I do need quiet. Um, funny enough, uh, both both I and one of his vets, we always talk to him in the shower. <laughs> really? And yeah. I, it's like a lot of people say they have great thoughts in the shower, right? And like the warm water hitting your head. Yeah, I've heard um, about that theory. <laughs> I... I uh, what else am I going to do in the shower? Right? Like I'm just showering. <laughs> sure. So I find it doesn't have to be a long time, right? It can be a moment of connection. It doesn't have to be this really long period of time. And frankly, sometimes he feels far away, but in terms of connecting with everyone, but you know, people who are alive and well today, um, but connecting on a different level, I've just found over time, one of the things he opened up within me was this feeling and an understanding for me and my belief system that I am no, really not substantively significantly different from you or anybody else on the planet. Mm. I mean, we all kind of want the same things. We want to be safe. We want to be loved. We want to be understood. Uh, we don't want to suffer. And so, for example, when I read about things that happened at the border and children being separated from parents yeah. and these kinds of things, I, I am deeply affected by it because I feel like that could be me. But for an accident of birth and and, you know, maybe it's not an accident. Maybe I had something to say about what I was going to learn and experience in this life and I needed to do it, you know, growing up in America. I don't know. I don't know the answers to any of these things. I just have ideas. But it's very easy for me to put myself in the shoes of people and animals and feel like that could be me and what would I want and how would I want to be helped and how and, and the importance of connecting and how much better you feel when you don't feel alone. Oh, wow. Yeah. that And that whole piece of compassion kicks in here for me too, as you're speaking, just to see with the eyes of just oneness or love behind all of the, the stories that we're hearing. It's, it's really profound. I, um, yeah. I know you've done like also, or had a lot of experience in the world of like grieving. And I mean, you've had animals come and go. And I mean, even just the physical loss of Gunny at one point too. I'd love for you to speak a little bit about, about that piece of, of grief and what to do when someone's left their body, like, and how to deal with all of that, you know? Yeah. So I, um, I did not handle it well, shall we say, uh -huh. uh, when Gunny died and I did not expect to handle it well. Um, 
I, I didn't know what would happen to me, to be honest. And I, I didn't know I would continue to learn from him mm. even after he was gone. Uh, I can tell you, I still miss him very, very much. But what I found was that my suffering about losing him was really a fiction that I created that our relationship was over ah. and that something had changed and that he was gone from me forever, at least until I died and maybe joined him. Right. And that created a lot of suffering for me and a lot of loneliness because I felt like he understood me perfectly. He certainly didn't think I was perfect, uh, but we had an understanding and a connection that I'd never experienced before that, you know, people talk about their soulmates and I think they can come in any shape or form. Right. We always think about one human and another human being soulmates. I'm not sure it's that limited. Sure. So it was a it was a really big deal. That's just the bottom line. It was a, a big deal. And my life had revolved around him. And I was really grief stricken um, and crying and crying and not functioning terribly well. Hmm. And I kept trying to push it further away. Like people are like, OK, like it's been a year. OK, it's been like two years. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm yeah. not talking about short periods of time here. Wow. Yeah. Uh, um, it was really hard. So it was funny enough, Keith, it was actually, I had gone to Rancho La Puerta five years before I met you. And there was a woman there who uh, was a tarot card reader of all things. Hmm. And uh, I'd never had tarot cards read. Um, and I thought I'd give it a try. And this card came up that was i think it was like the nine of wands or something but it was a, a a little boat with a woman and a child in it and a man with like you know like a almost a canoe looking boat with the stick where he's clearly like moving the boat with the stick and she said to me the only way for you to feel better is you have to get in the boat with your grief and let money take you to the other side and I thought, wow, like you're suggesting I go deeper into this because I feel like I can't breathe now. Oh, yeah. And, um, and she said, I think you ought to have coffee with him every morning and talk to him about how you feel and ask for his advice. <laughs> and I began a process of opening myself up to continuing our relationship and our connection, even though he was no longer in his physical body. Wow. And that brought me incredible comfort because it took away a lot of the grief. The grief was about losing him, right? Sure. So if I didn't actually lose him, then what was there to be grief stricken about? Wow. Yeah. So that was, um, and then it became joyful again, right? Like joyful to feel connected to him, not so sad. And to, to feel that I still am in a relationship of sorts with him and that he is still supporting me and loving me from wow. wherever he is. Well, wow. like I'm, as you're saying this, I'm thinking about um, 
how water never change. Like it just changes form, but it never like goes away. Like it's like evaporation or condensation or, right. you know, or freezes. I mean, I'm just, I'm wondering, like, I'm thinking of that analogy as you're speaking about what we connect to and to get attached to just this one physical form, but really underneath whatever that is, that's animating our body or breathing our breath. It's like, there's something on that more connected soul level that you're talking about here that from what I'm hearing you say, like we can actually maintain relationships with people who have left their body if we're willing. Is that, is that what you're saying? I, I do. I do believe that. And I understand why not everyone might believe that, yeah. but it is what I believe, but I also wow. have to be open to the notion that his soul has its own course. Okay. And if the time comes when, for example, he needs to be reincarnated again, yep. or there are other things that he needs to do for his soul development, wherever he is. Mm-hmm. I mean, I take it as a given that everyone has a soul, including animals. So, yeah. you know, I believe that he has one. And I have to understand that just like when we were separated in another time, when we were brother and sister and reunited, that if he has something else he has to go do, I have to understand that and know that we will find each other again, that it's a permanent connection. But oh, I think wow. that's probably a pretty good advice for all of us in this world, even in the relationships we have with people who are alive. Sometimes, you know, you just have to understand that they have to do what they have to do. Sure. And it may not be what you want, um, and I'm not talking about things that are obviously harmful. <laughs> right. You know, I just mean in in the course of relationships, um, we're all doing the best we can. Wow. That's quite profound. But, <laughs> yeah. Um, but I will tell you this. After he died, I had uh, Alexander spoke to him a few times, the woman who was the communicator. And I was at her house one day. She lived in Los Angeles. Okay. That does. And um I said, can we talk to Gunny? And she said, yeah, okay. Like, let me get him on the line, basically. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, I have a question. Gunny, what do you miss most about being alive? Because, like, he was a complete glutton. He loved food, for example. So I thought he was going to say bread. Uh. Um, But, again, my question was stupid, apparently, because in response to saying, what do you miss most about being alive, his answer was, I am alive. Oh, my goodness. So it's almost as if he hasn't died. He's just missing a body. Nothing changed. Wow. Right? Wow. He's the same. He's just not in his body. Not in a physical. Well, here's my question then. So, because you, you were kind of making reference to this before that somehow we can be in this sort of non physical form essence and still be alive, like as the spirit or whatever we want to call it. But then you talked about reincarnating. So, if at some point in Gunny's life, like he were. In this new realm that he's in, if he were to like change form or take on another, I guess, body, then would you lose contact with him in that way? Or how does that work? Like, is there an actual? No. no. <laughs> it's a great question. Yeah. I don't know. I think one day we'll all find out. <laughs> wow. Yeah. But I really don't know. I think there's people who believe you don't necessarily come into every life with all of your soul. Sure. That's hard for me to wrap my head around, I accept, you know, I, so I really don't know. And I don't know if he will reincarnate. I don't know what he will reincarnate as, 
I don't know any of that. I just know for right now, he definitely went away for a while and he came back and he's been with me pretty constantly for the last year. I've had a tough time with various things I've gone through in my personal life in the last year. And so at this moment, I feel very close to him, but I understand that might change. Wow. That's so powerful. Like what you're describing here. Why is it important to maintain relationships with this soul level of, you know, people that have left their body or souls that have left the physical body? Why is that important? Well, I guess I can only answer for me. For you. Uh, Yeah. uh, uh, So what Gunny would tell you and what he tells you in the book is there's nothing more powerful in the universe than love. And I guess I feel love is, you know, whether you want to call it energy or your analogy to water, it is eternal and it doesn't need a physical form. You don't love someone less because they died, right? I mean, if someone you love dies, you still love them. And so for me, the importance is I want to stay connected to the beings that I love. Yeah. Love. <laughs> love is yeah. all there is. Yes. A- I mean, honestly, and, and I will tell you, there's no doubt in my mind that I had absolutely no good understanding or realization of the power of love and the importance of love until Gunny. He cracked me wide open. And it's through him that I feel like I really learned about the power of love and I am still working on loving myself as much as he loved me. Wow. That's powerful. But but understanding really that it's all that really matters in the end (sighs) is love. Yeah. As you say, it's, it's eternal. So it's like the one thing that, you know, it, this reminds me of a quote by Muktananda. He was um, with his uh, students. He was like a profound teacher. And one of his students said to him, uh, what, what, he said, what is real? And Muktananda said, that which is real never changes. And uh, as you're talking, you know, I'm just wow. just thinking about just this idea of the, the, the permanent part of love that like it never changes. It's eternal. Right. But the. The form or the body changes, so it might not be real. It might be a bit of an illusion. Yeah, <laughs> just, I'm just thinking of that as you're speaking. And, yeah, yeah. It, it, that's what it, that which is real never changes. Yeah, I I totally get that. Yeah. It may change form, right? Like, but it doesn't change in essence. Right. So, Gunny, however I might meet him again, the love is the same. Um, and one of the really interesting things I had two I had two dogs for most of the time that I had Gunny and I will tell you and I in doing water therapy with dogs I worked with hundreds of them and look some dogs are actually kind of just dogs <laughs> they're not you know they're not I don't think they're all professors but I certainly met my fair share who were who had a lot of wisdom especially as they got older and they couldn't do as much physically and enjoy their physical body as much sure so. Um, the other dog I had at the time that I had Gunny was named Bacchus. And Bacchus was an incredibly simple dog. Throw the ball and rub my tummy. Like, that's it. <laughs> there, there was nothing else. And he was so joyful. And he was such a joy for all of us. 
but I, I think like, you know, I can't imagine what happens if you have, you know, two human children and you feel this way, but I certainly feel that I neglected Bacchus a bit. It's not that he was neglected, but I was so connected to Gunny that Bacchus didn't get the same amount of time. And so Alexander spoke to Bacchus some as well as Gunny. And what's really interesting is how different his voice is. Talking to Bacchus is more like talking to a kid in second grade and talking to Gunny is like talking to your college professor. Wow. And they have these very different ways of communicating. But Bacchus said, essentially, it doesn't bother me anymore that Laurie loves Gunny more than me, which is like devastating to me, right? Like <laughs> right through my heart. And um, he said, because Gunny explained to me that they knew each other in another place and they had some things that they needed to work out. Oh, really? So it was so interesting to me to get a little insight into the conversations that went on between my two dogs Jeez, is that, <laughs> that I wasn't a part of. <laughs> right. Is that ever amazing to pick up that? Wow. Like, that's like a whole different thing. Um, and why not? Right. Why not? I mean, Look at elephants that go together in groups to grave sites and grieve. Obviously, every every being has a way of communicating. And why it had never occurred to me that there was essentially this intense relationship taking place between my two dogs, I don't know. Yeah. But when I read that, I was like, wow. So first of all, I feel really bad that he knows <laughs> that I loved Gunny so much. And I felt terrible. But second of all, the Gunny explained it to him. And right. he said, I accept it because Gunny loves me. Right. And like, I know he would tell me the truth. Wow. The book, the book that you've written, it's called the endless path. And, um, just as we're, we're getting closer to the end of our our conversation, I just, I'd love to just from your words or your, your heart share just a little bit about the essence of this book and and why, uh, yourself and Gunny, uh, authored this. What, what was sort of the main premise behind this book? Well, I, I suspect, uh, Gunny's answer is slightly different from mine, so I'll answer for both of us. Okay. Gunny was outraged at the treatment of animals by a lot of people. And he felt that they were not appreciated and respected the way they should be, which is interestingly a perspective he came to having been a man and becoming an animal. And he had great respect for other animals. And he really, you know, I think for Gunny, this book is a win. If all it does after someone reads it is make them stop and consider what the animal that they live with might be capable of and how much they might actually understand and to talk to them more. The most common comment that I've probably received about the book from people is, I talk to my dog all the time now. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I think he understands. <laughs> wow. And a lot of us don't actually sit down and talk to these beings that we live with for a decade or more as though they are equals. And what most people tell me and what my experience was is if you do that, you may find your relationship changes with that animal and that you have a much closer bond. Wow. So. Gunny would tell you that was really his main motivation. He wanted to open people's eyes to the intelligence and wisdom of animals and have them not pass them by and look over them. Sure. Okay. So for me, I would say it's probably twofold. One is I made a promise. I thought it was 
as unbelievable as it seems, because I'm the first to tell you if it hadn't happened to me, I don't know if I would have believed it. Yeah. But it did happen to me. And so here I am stuck talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> With people uh -oh. feeling like, who is that crazy lady? <laughs> um, so um, stuck with you in the best possible way. <laughs> I know. Um, so here I am trying to get this message out because I do, I believe I believe that it all happened and I believe that it was profound and I know that it changed my life. And I believe both animals and people benefit when the connection is deeper and stronger. And for me, one of the very hardest things was frankly, having the courage to publish it. And I was so scared that people were going to really call me crazy or say terrible things to me. And I have to tell you, I have not received any of that. The letters that I get from people are so moving about how they had, they felt a similar relationship, usually with only one of the animals they may have had in their life. It's not like every animal you necessarily have this relationship with. And so it turns out by really having the, I'm going to call it the courage because I, I got to tell you, like it really was hard for me to reveal myself mm -hmm. for who I am and what I believe, I feel like I inadvertently gave people permission to feel the same way and not feel so strange and not feel that no one understands. And by talking about the profound grief that I had at losing an animal, that it makes it more acceptable to them, even for themselves. Sure. That this grief is real. And it doesn't matter if it was a dog or a cat or a parakeet or your father. Grief is grief and love is love. Yeah, absolutely. I I am so glad that you have stepped into this arena and and written this book and, and are putting this message out there, both you and, and Gunny. And I just, ever since we've met, I've just really admired, yeah, your courage and bravery to to just really standing in, in this authentic truth for you. Um, I haven't, uh, to be honest, I haven't seen animals the same way since we've met. I mean, I, it's just amazing. Every time I see a little dog or just recently with my friend Shannon, I had her on our podcast recently. Um, she had me actually coached by a horse and it was masterful. And I have to say like, you've, you're doing such amazing work opening people up and expanding their minds to there's more beyond this physical form and, and the little constraints we get into mentally. So I just, I'm really, really grateful that we've crossed paths and the book is The Endless Path and Lori's website is theendlesspath.com. Um, you've got to check out her work and definitely pick up a copy of this book and uh, get to know her story. It's, it's profound. And Lori, I just want to thank you for being on the podcast and and sharing with us about your experience too. It's just so profound. Well, thank you, Keith. I'm, I'm really grateful for the opportunity. And uh, I hope that everybody goes home and talks to their dog or cat or horse today. Do it. Go speak to your animals. They're, they're uh, beings just like you. There's love. So thank you so much, Lori, for, for connecting with us today. Thank you, Keith. All right. Well, that concludes another episode of Let's Connect. I hope that that conversation with Lori DePerrier inspired you as much as it did me. It literally inspired me. It brought me into this place of in spirit, beyond the physical form, and uh, just really feeling a sense of love right now. I hope you are too. 
I look forward to you joining me on the next episode of Let's Connect, where we will explore and interview incredible people from around the world doing amazing things. Until next time, everybody, have a wonderful week, and we'll see you on the next episode of Let's Connect.